Tea or Coffee, a film podcast with Thomas and Joe, with theme music by bensound.org. See description for more information. What's up? Welcome to the Tea and Coffee podcast where we talk movies, films and related media. My name is Thomas and I'm drinking a cup of tea and joining me is my co-host Joe. I'm drinking a cup of coffee. It's award season. The Golden Globes were a few weeks ago. The Academy Award nomination has just been announced. And so we're going to be talking about a movie that won a Golden Globe and probably will win the Academy Award for Best Animated Picture. It's a Zootopia or Zootropolis as it's known here in the UK. It's about a year since the film came out but we both saw it recently so we're going to talk about it. So, I'm just going to read the plot synopsis and then we'll go straight in. So, from the largest elephant to the smallest shrew, the city of Zootopia is a mammal metropolis where various animals live and thrive. When Judy Hopps becomes the first rabbit to join the police force, she quickly learns how tough it is to enforce the law. Determined to prove herself, Judy jumps at the opportunity to solve a mysterious case. Unfortunately, that means working with Nick Wilde, a wily fox who makes the job even harder. So, Joe, you saw this film. What what are your overall thoughts to, to begin with? I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the animals were pretty funny, quite cute at times. And um, yeah, I thought it was like well-designed story. Although, yeah, it was definitely pushing for a kind of deeper meaning. It didn't feel too, too forceful, though. Um, it was quite obvious that it was almost a political film. Yeah, it very much had its message that it wanted to get across. But at the same time, just that overall, it was sort of a very sort of adorable piece of film is sort of very cutely animated very sort of wonderful design I mean we've we've both of us have grown up sort of very much with the rise of animated films uh, we're both childs of the 90s and Toy Story came out in 1995 I believe so we've sort of seen sort of a progress of animated films and this is a pretty flawless film to watch it's sort of they've completely mastered that sort of form yeah. of making film visually stunning i know and just yeah. all the characters in all the characters in the background all the, the first simulations so over, overall uh do you think sort of the idea the story of sort of a, a cop who's on a background who can't there's not been no cops from before it's a very primitive background it's very sort of it's it's a predator versus prey sort of background and sort of she rises up to sort of be the successful cop did do you think that was sort of a how did you feel about that story as a whole? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. In a sense, it felt like quite a good cop drama, as it were. Yeah. Um, but done slightly differently, so not the kind of generic mm-hmm. that you get for live action. It felt like it was a really good way of doing it. Like, they used the animation. The fact that they were animals kind of meant that they were able to tackle bigger subjects, but not um, provocatively in the sense that would annoy people. Yeah. So it's predator and prey. There's no... Um, real life kind of discrimination there it's mm-hmm. it's it moves away from anything we have in our environment so that you can apply that discrimination to anything yeah um, rather than it just be um, color gender or something like that or race mm-hmm. it's um, it, it you can apply it to anything and and it just amazed me sort of we're at a stage now where we can have this sort of this buddy cop drama between this bunny and this fox and it to actually sort of really work well because it's not it doesn't feel sort of and normally sort of a buddy cop you have to have two actors with a great chemistry working together 
And in many ways, this was sort of like, well, we can now replicate that with sort of animation to such an extent that we sort of got this very sort of fun dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, definitely. I think it's amazing to see the kind of subtle emotions, subtle um, expressions, just looking at the, the cover of the Blu-ray here, um, all the different animals, their, their frowns and kind of facial expressions yeah. are so human-like in a way that before you could do, but just not as subtly. Yeah. This, this gets it down to a level that you just couldn't imagine. Um, and it just kind of does a really good range and, and touches on kind of human subjects. I mean, I like that they've got the, the yak who does yoga yep. in, the, in the nude spa. And then they've got the, um, the little sheep who's an assistant to the lion yep. wanting to take over. They've got the sloth at the DMV. It's got them and the way they take ages, etc. Uh, yeah, I yeah. really like that, and and then also it's got the the homage to the Godfather. Oh yeah, with got, uh, the the yeah, mole, the little mole who's got the um, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse, and everything like that. And then the you come here into my house on my daughter's wedding. Literally, it's his daughter's wedding. Yeah, and then there's also the kind of homage to Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, where the true. Rams spoiler have had a making for the drug. Yeah, I tried to put it at the start. <laughs> this is an entire spoiler heavy. It's been out a year. If you haven't seen it, you probably aren't that bothered about spoilers. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. Uh, the two Rams are called something like Walter and Jesse or something like that. Yes, it? yeah, they are. Yeah, And they're in their little yellow lab suits and yep. stuff. So uh, it's, it's a very culturally aware film in that sense and it picks up on various sort of things of today which are popular and sort of brings them across yeah it manages to appeal to um, more than one generation yeah and without the typical kind of disney double entendre yeah that they have so yeah i quite i, I like that and i thought it was just yeah it was very clever and yeah it, it knew that it had those things so it embraced them yeah and i think that's just something that's done very well in this film which is universe building it's built this city it's built this world and it does so without sort of having to sort of bash you overhead explaining everything. It just takes a lot of things just for granted without sort of too much exposition. It's got some exposition. It's got that start montage when they're always kids and she does a presentation about mm. Zootopia. But it's not it doesn't feel too heavy with sort of exposition. It just builds, but it does build a world very successfully, which is what we were talking about before with uh, last time with Rogue One. Where sort of we sometimes felt we're jumping around a little, and sort of we didn't always get used to every place we were at, and then sort of. But that's the idea of universe building is sort of very sort of key to sort of successful film because if you're inside, if you very quickly become immersed in this universe, you become very much sort of invested in this universe, then it becomes very sort of. Uh, it's easier to to have emotional beats throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say like you said it really. Yeah, you didn't question it. It felt logical. It's it's animals running a whole world, but at the same time, you didn't question that one moment. Yeah, um, it just felt kind of logical. Their city was amazingly built. Oh yeah, and and it, that's partly what makes the animation stand out. Is that it's not just the foreground; it's everything yeah. feels kind of organic. You can see the light, the physics of it works. It just yeah, it feels good. Mm. And then um. Yeah, when she discovers Zootropolis, or not discovers, but reaches it and is yeah. on the train, that moment felt almost similar to the Hunger Games when Katniss reaches the city. I know you haven't seen Hunger Games, um, but it felt similar in the kind of 
just in Jurassic, the sense almost of Jurassic World you felt the emotion. Jurassic Park is yeah. sort of that sort of feeling as well. So let's talk about the, the characters as a whole. Uh, you've got the main duo, Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde, apparently their names were. I, I, didn't, I didn't know Nick's surname was Wilde. Or... No, I didn't know his surname. I but just knew she was um, Officer Hopps. Officer Hopps, that's right, yes. Yeah. So she was pretty uh, interesting character, I suppose. Engaging. Sort of engaging. And sort of, it had a nice sort of dynamic to it, I suppose, which where she starts off sort of being very sort of enthusiastic for this world, for this job. And as the film goes on, she increasingly just faces adversity and trouble and she just constantly gets knocked back mm. to a point at which where she actually says, I'm going to hang up the uniform and go back and sell carrots. Yeah. And that's what was sort of, I thought, very sort of... I mean, you didn't go full Pixar. If this had been Pixar <laughs> making this film... Then Buzz doesn't fly at the end of well, he just fly at the end of Toy Story. But he doesn't fly properly at the end of Toy Story. It's sort of he has to learn what to be content with sort of the lesser thing that he ends up with. That he's a, that he's a toy, not a space ranger, or monsters uh, university where Mike ends up sort of being he can't actually be a scarer because he's not scary. But that's sort of so. This is more sort of classical Disney where she does by the end of the film. It's like. Friday work hard enough. It won't always be easy, but you can sort of live your dream sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, one one thing that I thought was interesting is her character was the kind of like good cop and then you had the fox who was the kind of bad cop. But if you think about it, she was actually quite a bad policewoman. <laughs> yeah. In, if, if we were kind of rigorously ad- adhering to the law, she broke quite a bit of it with her like her techniques for getting into a, a place she thought a crime had happened. Yeah. A very kind of... Yeah, skirting around the rules. So, yeah, it was just... That was a bit um, different in that there was this whole kind of thing about how she was following the rules and then she kind of breaks a whole load of them without even mentioning it. Yeah. I mean, she threatens the fox. She says, look, I can put you in prison, but I'm not going to provide you help me. Mm. Now, that's that's not particularly... I don't think her... Her job type inscription allows her to do that. No, ethically, it's not correct for a police. All the time when sort of the mole is about to ice both her and the fox, and sort of like, okay, this is attempted murder. You're just going to let that slide because yeah. he didn't actually kill you. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of. It's that, that's the thing. When it comes to. The, that, that's, for me, that slightly undermines sort of the message of a film, where if you're having a film which is building up to this big sort of moral lesson, and then you have your characters acting sort of pretty sort of in a moral way, immoral way, sorry, throughout the film, it's sort of like, well, sure, we learned, we taught our children how to so not be too sort of discriminatory or whatever, but at the same time we did teach them to sort of let the mafia do their job and let yeah, criminals bend the, off. Bend the rules a little bit. Provided it suits you too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it was trying to kind of, I don't know, maybe it's part of it was that they didn't know how they'd move the plot if they didn't. Yeah. Um, and then also I guess they're hoping children might read into it too much. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is for me is like fine. Us that will. <laughs> yeah, I think with a film like this, you just you ultimately do say sort of look there, there is there is sort of a level to which this film goes and doesn't go further. If you if you try and take it further, then it's just going as with any story, it's just going to fall apart. You're going to have all these issues sort of what about this, what about this, what about mm-hmm. this, and sort of it's not trying to present an entirely. I mean, firstly, I mean, scientifically, it's not going to start hanging together if you start pushing it. But just in all, in all sorts of other ways as well. It's sort of like you have to suspend belief up until a point, and then you can enjoy the film. If you don't suspend belief up to that point, you're going to sit here going, 
Why isn't a fox eating a rabbit? Did they really <laughs> did they really talk all predators in the city to become vegetarians? How did that work? How how were all predators' digestive systems altered so that they don't need meat or whatever? <laughs> it's like we don't we don't need that. Yeah, we just got to leave some of the things alone, I guess. Yeah, and just take what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. What did you think of um, Shakira's appearance as the gazelle? Was she called Giselle or something? I like think that? she was called Gazelle. Okay, not even Giselle, just called Gazelle. Uh, let me pull up the Wikipedia page and find out. It's just called Gazelle. Uh, is is a Apparently, the type of animal she is a Thompson's gazelle, and she also voices gazelle in a Spanish dub of a film. So, okay. Um, yeah. No, I thought that. I think that. I guess that was partly just a, a piece for publicity because although yeah. it was kind of funny, the, the, there's a moment where the police captain is using her little app. Yeah. And stuff. That's funny, but you don't need a whole character just for that. No. So I guess that was just a. I guess it brought in a kind of sense of a world. It, it built the universe. It built the in that universe. It had a pop star. It had a pop star and a pop um, star who was happy to make political comments when when sort of the time arose. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Which is sort of very much our our world. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, the whole kind of musical cue where she dances with the tigers at the end. I think that bit was just aimed at the children, and that's when you remembered that this is a film mainly aimed at kind of 10-year-olds and below. The whole yeah. kind of bit where they hope the children in the cinema will start singing with Shakira and dance and all that. Yeah. Um, we, we, we stopped the film at that point, guys, just in case you're wondering. Well, it was, it was New Year's Eve and it was about to be New Year's Day, so we had to stop at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this film also, speaking of characters, had quite an impressive cast here. It had Idris Elba as Chief Bogo, the... African Buffalo, who yeah. was the chief police of Zootopia Police Department. It had uh, J.K. Simmons as Leonard Lionheart, a lion who is noble but pompous mayor mm. of Zootopia. <laughs> uh, we had Alan Tudyk, who was obviously, of course, K2SO from uh, Rogue One, who played Duke Weaselton, gets chased by hops through that mouse base. So, I don't. What do you think of this film's sort of secondary cast with sort of characters like the fox back at home who sort of is a reformed bully, or the parents who sort of start off being very sort of uh, overly protective? What do you think of sort of that that home environment? What about those characters? I think it was really nice to see that just because, well, it kind of reminded me of uh, someone's experience when they moved to a really big city without their family and how they miss yeah. the family and yeah, they want to work there, etc. I, I thought that was quite realistic. Like you have the bully who the bullies mm-hmm. in the city are still bullies, but she goes home and realized that that one's not a bully anymore. No. So it kind of helps her to believe in what she first came for. So I liked the way that just gave a kind of lighter side to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I was really happy about that. And and again, I, I, I think we, in these films often it is simplification. I don't think... The parents are sort of prevented slightly negatively for before their protectiveness, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having protective parents. But at the same time, sort of, yeah, that idea... It's almost it's almost like the university experience here where someone goes off to university in a different city or in a well, even from the country to the city and the parents are sort of very anxious about them and often quite rightly so. But... This film sort of shows that the parents can actually have a lot of sort of faith in sort of Judy because she is actually quite a sensible, if slightly energetic, uh, yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think it was it was quite nice when she did go back home and sort of the the bully is sort of re- redeemed and sort of that sort of adds sort of an element of sort of where something 
maybe maybe that just feels like when you're growing up where something when you're younger feels so big so important there's this person mm. they just feels terrifying they're just bigger than you they're sort of they're, they're quite rude and so when you grow up you suddenly realize that that bully was just wasn't actually sort of that significant it yeah. hasn't affected your life so much yeah it doesn't and really actually you don't really you don't really need to let that bully get to you because what they what they actually did and said wasn't really that significant i'm not condoning bullies saying that's fine because everyone will grow out of it but <laughs> but i just sort of that sort of way that sort of something big when you're younger when you're older you you can put in perspective and say actually we can sort of move on from that and actually the bully has also moved on from that he's sort of that whatever caused him to be sort of nasty when he was younger, sort of he's he's now sort of a, a nice sort of working lad for the for the, for the rabbits. Yeah. Well, we've, we've got to do our rating system. Oh yeah, we got to rate this film. Uh, I'm just seeing. Well, should we just briefly talk about the villain as well? The uh, the, the rabbit. Oh yeah. The, uh, no, it wasn't a rabbit. It, it was, was a, a, it was a lamb. sheep. Sorry, a lamb. Yeah, a little lamb. lamb. Yeah, no, I th- I thought that was really really fun. It took me by surprise, I have to say. Yeah. Um, I think I kind of when when there was a lion and they made it seem like he was a villain. I think that was a really good moment because yeah, it's it kind of showed her as the little the little bunny cop. It kind of introduced the whole idea of people aren't necessarily completely bad. Yeah. But and and not completely good. But at the same time, it was right to put him in prison, for example. Yeah, because he was, he was committing kidnap. Yeah, he was yeah, doing he was it, kidnapping He was doing people. it for nice motives, but he was still committing kidnap. Yeah, so it brought in a sense of realism there. And yeah. that's kind of good. And it's a bit of a, a step away from how Disney films used to be, yeah. where you had the baddie who was the baddie kind of thing. Yeah. And either they were the baddie or they said sorry and became a complete goodie. Yeah. Whereas this kind of has moved towards, like we were saying with the Rogue One, mm-hmm. where you have these kind of grey characters. Yeah. Obviously, he's slightly slightly different to anything in most adult films but it was quite interesting to have it felt like the film was about to end and then you realize it wasn't and that was quite fun yeah um i enjoyed that twist yeah and sort of led into that third act where sort of in many ways actually judy hops becomes a villain for part of it Mm. where at least her words do or just her interpretation of the events do sort of where she feels that this is sort of a, a predator thing Sort of, it's in, intuitive to predators that sort of is causing them to go evil. Yeah. When it's actually sort of this conspiracy by uh, the the sheep to uh, make the predators look bad. Yeah. <laughs> when 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 she shoots the the fox with the the dart and he's coming to eat Judy, did did you think that maybe this was a fake or did you did you get that twist or? I I couldn't I didn't know what was going on, but I kind of. I was sitting there like, oh, this he's not going to be bad in the end. He's like going to yeah. manage to get through it. So th- at first I at first I thought it was going to be like some kind of oh yeah, he's he's a predator but he doesn't have to be a predator even if you give him drugs, he's managed yeah. to like remove himself from it. But I felt like that would have been a really bad conclusion. It would have been a very typical sort of I talk, sort of this person's under mind control but I talked him out of it. Yeah, exactly. So I was really pleased with the way it did. Do, it worked out really well. So yeah, for yeah. for a kids film, I thought it was it was brilliantly scripted and just everything was believable and fitted together in a way that a lot of adult films often don't actually. So it's yeah impressive what they managed to do. And I think that's also interesting that uh, again that they went for the mystery storyline, I suppose, and they didn't they didn't sort of hold back on that sort of police genre. 
they sort of had the twist, and they had another twist, and they did another little small twist mm. as well. It's sort of they're happy to sort of keep the audience sort of guessing rather than just to sort of go with uh, yeah. These are two funny characters <laughs> sort of hanging out together and solving crimes, and at some point they'll come to realise that sort of they can actually work together and sort of uh, their former discrimination against one another sort of can break down or whatever. So, so let's go to the rating system uh, as. I, we explained the first time we rate uh, films and television programs and other media uh, as we compare it to a, to a type of drink and uh, whatever and sort of we try and sort of yeah we try and equate it to to a what a beverage and yeah. why how and why sort of it's a drink. Uh, do you have one? Um, yeah, I'm gonna say for this one, I'd say like a really really nice tasty lemonade Mm -hmm. done by i don't know a kind of like organic company so it's not a strong drink like a an alcoholic drink or anything yeah but it's at the same time really well made so like a kind of fancy lemonade not a tesco lemonade um tesco we love your lemonades anyway um well i don't but my wife does we should Um, say that other supermarkets are available yeah (laughs) we're not um paid by neutrality um but like a a really decent quality one, organic, etc. It tastes good. It's mm-hmm. really sweet. But while it's got some kind of lasting memory, it's not like something that's going to... I think I've got my message across. I'm yeah. just blathering on now. Go on. Okay, I, I think I was going to go for sort of a nice sort of chocolate milkshake where it's sort of, it's very sort of... It's a sort of a drink a kid would love. And as an adult, you can still appreciate, even if you're not going to drink it as often as they do. Yeah, that it, sounds good. And it's a drink sort of, which which is sort of, it's sort of wholesome. It's got milk in it. At the same time, it's also got quite a lot of energy in it. It's quite sort of excitable. It's got lots of sugar. And sort of, yeah, I sort of feel that it's, it's a very sort of excitable film. It's a film that's going to appeal more to a younger audience. But even as an older audience, you can still sort of appreciate it on some level. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's that's the end of the talk about Zootropolis or Zootopia. Uh, we've got still some time left, so we're going to be talking about uh, some of the news of the past fortnight. Today is Oscar nomination day, so shall we talk about uh, some Oscar nominations? Yeah, uh, shall, I, shall I give a read through the list here? Yeah, you can do. Um, yeah, so for best picture, we have Arrival, which I need to watch still. Um, Fences, Hackshaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, which I did watch, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, Moonlight, and then for Best Director, we have Arrival, so Denis Villanueve, or however you pronounce his name. Yeah, we're going to butcher some of his names. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So he's got Arrival. Mel Gibson on Hackshaw Ridge. Um, Interesting to see a kind of faith-based film on yeah. nominated for, and not for uh, an for Oscar. To, and for it not to be silence as well. And what do you mean, sorry? As in it's actual Ridge, not silence. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's not... Um, yeah, that is interesting because Hackshaw you think, Ridge... You think that uh, Scorsese would be better... Better yeah, suited for a typical Oscar. <laughs> yeah, than, than Mel Gibson. Yeah, that's that's interesting, actually, because Hacksaw Ridge, while it looks good, mm-hmm. doesn't look like the typical kind of Oscar contender in the sense that, yeah... But I, I'd be interested to watch that because it must be quite good. Well, hopefully. Yeah, well, know. it's got Oscar nominated. Yeah. It's not, it shouldn't be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Then, of course, we have Damien Chazelle with La La Land. We have Kenneth Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea, and Barry Jenkins with Moonlight. And then for Best Actress, we have Isabel Huppert, 
from L, Ruth Negger from Loving, Loving, Natalie Portman from Jackie, which looks nice, um, shot on 16 mil, mm. um, and then Emma Stone from La La Land, yeah. Meryl Streep from Florence Foster Jenkins. I think that's a record nomination for Streep. In I don't think any actor or actress has been nominated for more. I think I can't remember if she already had that or if she was tied, but it's sort of... This has put her apart. Yeah. I mean, it's Streep, isn't it? It's sort of like every year she almost... every Almost every year she gets nominated for something <laughs> or the other. She won't win this year, probably. I mean, it's probably going to Stone or Portman, but... Yeah. No, Portman looks like she could have it for Jackie. Um, though Emma Stone was very good in La La Land. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'd put it as a an Oscar. As in, I'd, I'm not sure I'd put it as one which should win the Oscar because it was a brilliant performance, but yeah. I don't know if it's the the one that I'd read quite as much of that into that role. Like it was a very good role, etc. Yeah. Just not necessarily the toughest to portray. Um, but Emma Stone did brilliantly in it. Yeah. Um, but she, then, she didn't win for uh, Birdman, did she, a few years ago? No. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's a second nomination. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think Emma Stone at some point should get an Oscar. She's doing brilliantly. But Yeah. Um, okay. And then for Best Actor, we have Casey Affleck yeah. for Manchester by the Sea. Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. Um, Hacksaw Ridge again, another face-based yeah. film. Um, well, well, the same, the same one, one from before, before but, but yeah. <laughs> Ryan Gosling from La La Land. No surprise there. Um, Vigo Mortensen from Ca- Captain Fantastic. Vigo Mortensen's back. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen him for ages. Yeah. Well, no, I've never seen him, but in, in films for some time. Obviously, mm. he has been in stuff, but it's been very small. Yeah. But he's got an Oscar nomination. Oh, and Ryan Gosling, I feel like with La La Land, he's actually managed to uh, separate his style of performance a bit because from the usual kind of, hi, I'm Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Kind of voice, and he's he's kind of managed to develop a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I didn't like his performances before; it's just that I quite he's enjoyed this different style. Yeah, um, he's not quite the quite so nice, though. It's similar character to the one he did in American Gangster. Yep, um, like a kind of hero, but at the same time, he's got this roguishness to him. Yeah, um, and then Vigo. Oh yeah, yeah, Denzel Washington for Fences, which looks really quite moving and powerful. Yeah, best supporting actress. We've got Viola Davis for Fences again, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Nicole Kidman for Lion, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea, and then best supporting actor we have oh man, Maher Shala Ali for Moonlight. Um, I hope I'm pr- pronouncing that correctly or, or almost correctly. Um, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water. Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel for Lion, Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. So how many more do we want to go? Because obviously we've got quite a number of categories. Um, yeah, I'll probably just go to Best Cinematography now. Okay. Yeah, skip the others, which I'll read through in my own time. <laughs> so for Best Cinematography, there's Arrival, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight, and Silence, all of which I think have a really good chance yeah um, that's, that's gonna be uh, that's probably gonna be one for closely for uh categories yeah there's some stunning stuff uh, should we talk about visual effects as well uh deep horizon doctor strange the jungle book cubo and two strings rogue one and star wars story and that's that's gonna be what do you think it's got that one i haven't watched the jungle book 
from the clips I've seen, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Doctor Strange, I've heard, was pretty stunning. I've seen Doctor Strange twice. I I don't think it'll win because Jungle Book's got animated animals. Yeah. And I think that's, with all the fur effects, I think, I think that's yeah, just going that to take it. Yeah, pretty... So while Doctor Strange has some very trippy sequences and some very impressive sequences... I it's don't think it's pushing the technology in, sense, yeah. in the same sense that Jungle Book is. Jungle Book yeah, is well, hyper realistic. Incredible. I know. Incredibly difficult to get done properly. And um, again, I think similarly, similarly with Rogue One, Star Wars Story, why that was visually stunning. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know if I'd have put it for best visual effects because yeah. it didn't feel like something we'd never seen before. No, uh, I mean, obviously they might be pushing for Tarkin. Yeah. But that, that's been fairly. That's had quite a bit of talk about that for mm. and against, so I don't know if that would win. Yeah, I don't think I'd put that in there. And just um, quickly, I, I saw Best Animated Film. It's got um, Zootopia, and then obviously it's got um, Kubo and the Two Strings is also in there. Yeah. While I haven't watched Kubo and the Two Strings, I kind of feel like in some ways, for the amount of work they put in to get that as stunning as they did, I mean, that was hand animated. Yeah. In some ways, I think that should have it. I don't don't quite know what the story is like because obviously no. Zootopia was very tight in yeah. terms of story. Um, but yeah, some really good nominations this year. Uh, Pixar missed out, they didn't turn Best Animated Picture. No Finding Dory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then Finding Dory was kind of... Uh, it was good, but not, yeah. not, I mean, not I'm, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, Pixar to not be, um, uh, not be nominated is more of a surprise than Pixar to be nominated. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they've got hundreds of awards in that category yeah and then best animated film obviously is not there's not that many kind of animations so in a sense yeah if, if pixar makes something it's going to be big and probably quite good yeah but yeah i think there's some really good nominations this year um i think i'll be watching the oscars this time mm -hmm. and be interested to see what wins and what doesn't and also have a watch through a few of these um we'll need to find a few of these to watch jackie chan has been given an honorary academy award as well Oh, okay. Uh, so, also just to do an overview, La La Land, 40 nominations, Arrival, 8, Moonlight, 8, Hexel Ridge, 6, Lion, 6, Manchester by the Sea, 6, Fences, 4, Hell or High Water, 4, Hidden Figures, 3, Jackie, 3, and the rest is either 2 or 1 nominations, but those are the ones with multiple nominations. Wow. So, La La Land, that, if they win all that, that will be... Quite... That'll be, that'll be the biggest... Well, if they win every one of that, that's the biggest... That's for most ever. Currently, it's 11 for Return of the King, Titanic, and Ben-Hur, I think. So, yeah, that's quite a, an impressive uh, opportunity for them. They, probably, yeah. they, they won't win all of them, but they'll probably win a lot of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd... La La Land, I think it should be on a level with those films you mentioned. I don't know about on top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it's very good. That's for definite. You should have a watch at some point. The impressive thing about Return of the King, though, is that it won 11 awards without any acting nominations. Yeah. And yeah. It, that, that's four awards it wasn't up for, and it still won 11. That, that's that's very impressive. It makes sense that it didn't win the acting nominations, because while yeah. it was good performances, it wasn't focused on any kind of character, in a sense. So it's hard to get a truly yeah. performance that's going to win awards when you're not focusing on one person. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. always hard to get it with an ensemble cast. Yeah. The only... Fellowship Ring got a nomination for Ian McKellen, and that was it. But they didn't get any more, any other acting nominations, mm. which would have made sense, particularly, I suppose, in the Best Actress role, because there are very few female characters in those films. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on, should we talk about Logan? There was a trailer recently, oh, last week. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it looks looks moving. Um, yeah, it it definitely looks good. And yeah, it was nice to see some more um, information because obviously we had the one with this the um, cash song. Yeah, which was brilliant. Yeah. And kind of also moving, but in a very different way. It didn't give you much to go on. Mm-hmm. This one is is really interesting concept that kind of they've now pushed the mutants completely away and they yeah. don't want them in the world anymore. Yeah, the, it's sort of uh, a time where the mutants are either dying out or there's been some virus or someone's been hunting them or something like that. Anyway, there aren't yeah. many mutants around. Wolverine's old. His healing factor's not really working properly, which is why all those scars. And, yeah, and Professor X is this really old guy who's struggling to do anything really yeah and then this younger mutant comes along and they've got to care for her and she seems to be incredibly valuable and powerful for some reason that we don't yet know but i I assume discover i assume someone's been experimenting on her because she's got the metal claws like wolverine yeah and obviously they wouldn't grow there naturally so someone's been sort of trying to yeah perhaps redo a kind of wolverine yeah make another wolverine Seems quite interesting as well to... I mean, Wolverine, it feels like almost every single film about Wolverine, he starts off bitter and he becomes a bit more soft and yeah. falls in love with someone or likes someone, which is sometimes gets a bit... I, I don't know, I've got a bit tired of that because it yeah. does feel like all his films... It's like Spider-Man. All Spider-Man's films seem to be the same plot way, struggling with his powers, struggling with his love interests, and then a villain shows up who's a former mentor figure and sort of... It's all... It's sort of, yes, yeah, Wolverine, it can get very similar. He can just be sort of really sort of bitter of the world, but still gets around to doing the right thing yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Wolverine, it's like he starts off, oh, no, I won't help you, definitely not. I hate everyone. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, I will help you. So it'll be, but I think it's interesting to see him kind of helping a younger person and yeah. becoming almost a father figure. And I think that's as opposed that to Hugh, a love interest. Yeah, I think I think Hugh Jackman will actually do really well because sort of it's I suppose it's Les Misérables really. Mm. Sort of he he really sort of he really did, he was good in that role, and it's sort of it'll be interesting to see him do something similar here. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, what do you reckon he's going to die at the end of the film? Oh, I don't know. I kind of don't want him to. And yeah, yeah well, you don't at want the same to, time, but... he always gets he's always alive again at some point. So it's, yeah, and I kind of wonder how he can be alive again with obviously Marvel with their their um, which one was it? Oh no, it was the uh, the X Men, the most recent mm-hmm. one. He's he appears in that. I don't quite know how how that fits into the whole timeline, but uh, the X Men films timeline does not work categorically. <laughs> Nerds have spent ages trying to figure out how it works. The best possible option is that every film takes place in a slightly different universe, and that sort of makes the most sense because yeah. everything just it doesn't add up. But at the same time, they're, they're sort of aware of that now, so it yeah, really matter. this to. is just some far flung future where Wolverine's old and Professor yeah. X is old, and there's a new mutant on. Yeah. So yeah, interesting with the guy with the metal arm as well. Oh yeah, the like. guy with metal arm. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember what they're called. They're called singing comics. I can't remember. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, so how much do I think he'll die? Um, I think he's fairly likely to die. I'd give it a seven, I think. Yeah. But then they could go for a storyline where he doesn't die, but he kind of maybe loses most of his powers and is simply le- there to look after this girl and kind of yeah. help her. Um, he could, I suppose at the end of the film, it could be the case that she's the first of a new race of mutants and he's going to be sort of a Professor X older mentor character. Yeah. And so maybe the film's more about Professor X handing on that torch to him rather than sort of him sort of actually dying. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the plans are for Professor X. I mean, he he might be even more likely to die than Wolverine. In oh, this I film. think he's pretty, I'm pretty definite that he'll die. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's sure already that. died once, so. Yeah, but so is Wolverine, so. Oh, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next I've got a uh, Rogue One has made a billion dollars. No surprise there. No. Uh, probably will be the biggest film of 2016. Might not. It's still got a bit of a way to catch Civil War, yeah. but that's about it. But Disney has a, a huge market and huge power in terms of um, kind of, yeah, marketing things, yeah. distribution. They have a, they have huge departments that are 24 7 dedicated to mm-hmm. that. Unlike another company which has to hire someone else to do their. Their publicity Disney simply does it the whole time, yeah, for all of their films. So it's it's quite unlikely for a Disney movie to not make money mm-hmm. in a sense. And and I mean, this is doing a lot more than not uh, than only making little bits, making tons. Yeah, it's not as as we said last time. It's not making lots of money in China, but Star Wars has never historically performed well yeah. in China anyway. So it's not that much of a surprise. Uh, next, uh, are you familiar with comic book character Shazam? No. Okay. Well, Dwayne Johnson is playing Shazam villain Black Adam in a standalone film. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the basic premise of Shazam and his villain Black Adam is that they're, they're, they're normal human beings who say the word Shazam and then they turn into a superhero or supervillain. And Dwayne Johnson has been attached to do this film for, for years. He's finally doing it and he says that it's going to be really fun. Which sounds a little odd considering how typical dark. Dwayne Johnson. Typical Dwayne Johnson, but maybe he's one who can come into the DC universe and make it more uplifting and positive. Yeah, perhaps DC needs a bit of a yeah a shock, because um, yeah, that that so far they've been a bit kind of <laughs> bringing miserable. everybody to tears. Yeah, um, I don't know. That sounds quite ridiculous. Yeah, but that's the, the thing. Can, can you say Shazam and become a superhero? That sounds like there's no way to make that not cringy. Yeah. I mean, perhaps they'll embrace the cheesiness, but that doesn't feel very DC. Yeah, well, I suppose that's the thing, though. That doesn't feel like DC in film. It's been saying it's in DC in comics for years. DC mm. has quite a lot of light, lighter characters in the comics, like oh, Green okay. Lantern and sort yeah. of Flash. And yeah, Shazam is sort Green of like, Lantern is just kind of... The way he becomes a superhero doesn't... It doesn't feel stupid. But yes, he is a kind of a, a stupid guy in the sense. Yeah, he's got whereas, a ring and he can do whatever his imagination wants him to do. Yeah, I don't know that... Yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, Suicide Squad, where you've got kind of Harlequin, who's yep. dark, kind of brooding and sensual, and then mm-hmm. all the other characters who are very kind of real, like you've got Deadshot, who he he's a superhero in a sense of he's extremely accurate and all that, but he's not yep. really a, he's not really even a supervillain. He's a really good sniper. Yeah. Really good with guns. I think what you meant by saying was the Oscar-nominated Suicide Squad. It's best hair and makeup. Oh, huh? yeah. I guess makeup actually was pretty good. You've got yeah. the Croc character, and that was pretty incredible. And Harley Quinn's design is pretty good, and the Joker's design. Okay, yeah, but that's... Harley Quinn's not really hair and makeup. But she's got hair. Yeah, but like her hair is not. Oh, and she's wow. very, she's very pale after falling into an acid bath or something. <laughs> oh, I don't know. And you got tattoos on the Joker, and so yeah, yeah it probably that won't. That's a stretch. That's a, that's a very sh- small category. It's got three. It's got a man called Of, Star Trek Beyond, and Suicide Squad. I would have thought Rogue One would have got more for their makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean, it, Rogue One got visual effects and sound mixing. It mm. didn't get it didn't get costume design. Then again, costume design it wasn't using original designs. It was all very yeah, much sort of. Really. But. 
we didn't get production design either. Again, I suppose maybe because it used a lot of traditional designs. But yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. It seems a bit strange. But yeah. yeah. Avengers Infinity War has started filming. And it's okay. going to be filming in Scotland for oh, wow. quite some time. It started in Atlanta, but it's going to be in Scotland for like six months. Oh, wow. Because they're filming Avengers Infinity War and the next Avengers film back to back. Yeah. And they've got like 60 characters in it because... Oh, my goodness. Because they're basically bringing all their properties together. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Doctor Strange. It's all going oh, to be... this sounds here. crazy. It's all going to be here because it's the big climax they've been building towards. Obviously, they're obviously not going to have a bigger climax later on yeah. because they're not going to sort of go, well, this is the end. Yeah. It, yeah, they've got to have more because they've got a plan for yeah. how many or ever films for, like, the rest of our lives. Yeah. So. But this is the, the climax of what they're calling Phase 3. Phase 1 built to First Avengers, Phase 2 built to Second Avengers, and Phase 3 is... As long as it's better than the Second Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Age that, of Ultron that was be, a letdown. That shouldn't be too hard, to be honest. Yeah. But again, again they're juggling so many characters. Sounds, I mean, Age of Ultron was already... I mean, it wasn't a lot of characters, but the they what's his name Ultron made it a lot of characters in yeah. a sense, uh, with all his like replicas of himself. And then, yeah, I, I hope they don't go for just for mass the mass sort of huge army versus the Avengers. I hope they go for it's Thanos and Loki. And, yeah, it's got to be interesting and characters. lots of different smaller characters. Yeah, you need to who, care about the characters who are going up against the Avengers. Yeah. Obviously, Civil War managed quite a big cast, but this is even bigger. So yeah, Civil War concentrated quite a bit, though. Like yeah. You had whole moments when most people weren't there. Yeah, I suppose um, it didn't really serve characters like Ant-Man. Ant-Man just came in to yeah, be part of the fight. Yeah, a little of, bit of funniness. And, and left again later. And Spider-Man as well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. Then again, Marvel have got a pretty good track record for the most part. Yeah, well, they've got the money. And they've, got, they've got the money. They've got Disney distributing for them. They've got lots of wonderful actors on board. Yeah. It'll be fun to see sort of Star-Lord and Iron Man have a conversation. I, yeah, I interesting. So, the big news of the week going, Star Wars Episode Eight has a title. Yes, I don't know about this title. And, so and Joe doesn't know me. what the title is because he's not been on the internet for the past 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, it is Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. And the internet has decided that it's going to have a big argument whether Jedi is singular or plural in that sentence, in that word. Mm. Is it the last Jedi meaning an individual, the last Jedi meaning a group of people? Who knows? Well, yeah. Ryan Johnson does. Mm. Well, I mean, we had the return of the Jedi before. Maybe the next one will be a... <laughs> yeah, return of a Jedi part two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Someone's also yeah, pointed out that it, sort of, it spells out a sentence, the Force awakens the last Jedi. So maybe episode mm. nine has sort of carried on the sentence. Who trains other Jedi? <laughs> who trains other Jedi? Star Wars episode nine. Who trains other Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm looking forward to it because I like Star Wars. Yeah, and yeah, we haven't obviously got very much about it yet. We've seen, yeah, we've got the title, and we've sort of they just, when they started production or something, they showed that very small clip, didn't they, of Ryan Johnson shouting word cut or whatever. No, oh, okay. No, I didn't see it. That. It wasn't. It wasn't really anything. It was sort of just Brian Johnson saying, "We're on that island where we filmed that scene with Luke and Ray, and yeah. we're filming again. Isn't it great?" Ah, uh, okay. But that, that was sort of yeah, about much. it. We haven't seen any sort of proper footage from the film yet. So, yeah. Uh, just speaking about Star Wars briefly, I watched the Star Wars Rebels episode with Saw Gerrera. Okay. which we talked about last time with Rogue One, hmm. and interesting to see how they handled him because in this. I'm, I'm going to go spoiler-heavy because it's, you, you're not that interested mm. in Star Wars Rebels. And, but Saw Gerrera in this sort of... 
he's on this planet. They go to find him on this planet. They've just been a group of rebels. That's what rebels about. Uh, it's a planet where the Death Star was built, and he's trying to find out what went on here. They don't know about the Death Star, obviously. Oh, okay. And sort of he captures one of the locals who the Empire have been wiping out to keep the Death Star a secret, and sort of he threatens to sort of kill this local and his egg. So it's very sort of much sort of he's about to commit genocide in order to sort of to try and find out what he yeah, needs to know. Yeah, to, to stop genocide. <laughs> but it's then sort of rebels sort of convince him sort of think about how his sister died in the war, the Clone Wars and sort of, sort of how uh, if that should mean that sort of he should sort of be sparing of this this Gene Ocean's yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. And sort of, so it's, it's sort of, it sort of headed down the Rogue One route before doing sort of a backtrack and sort of saw Greer at the end just comes down and he's sort of, he's sort of all sort of like, yeah, well, sort of, I like family and yeah, he becomes a, a good guy again. So they didn't go, they didn't care, they didn't sort of leave him sort of, in sort of, uh, as Rogue One almost left him sort of the embittered sort of, yeah, sort waiting of, waiting to die alone, waiting to die alone after sort of, yeah capturing these people and sort of torturing the, the pilots whatever yeah rogue one he was a bit of a, a pointless character but yeah. yeah there we go so i, I just thought i'd bring it up considering mm. we talked about it i have nothing else on my list so that's the show yeah no that sounds good uh so thank you very much for listening uh please uh subscribe to us on youtube we're still trying to get this on itunes we've had some problems if you're listening to us on itunes we've got an itunes if you're not then it might be on itunes uh, check it out. Uh, so, yep. Uh, bye from me. and Yeah, bye-bye. Have a good week.